Welcome to Mama Bear. I'm your host, Kim Landrum. Hey friends, hope you're having a good week. I've got dogs milling around and garbage trucks moving outside, so I have no idea what kind of background noise is going to wind up on this episode, but we're going to move forward regardless, so I um, hope you'll hang in there with me. I am looking forward to this topic because it is one of two topics that I really want to do a deep dive on. I, I may even wind up doing... Um, maybe like a part one and a part two on on some of these things. But I think that this requires some love and attention. One, because personally, uh, there were two main topics that have come up in, in my life that really kind of propelled me um, and pushed me forward and, and really got got me to commit to this podcast. One of them is menopause. And the other one is the combination or um, I guess the cross-section of puberty and high training load in young athletes. So I will leave that one to another multi-part series. But today we're going to talk about the almost decade-long transition that women go through that we refer to as, as menopause. Um, and I, I think that it's really interesting. And three years ago, I knew almost nothing about. And um, in that time, um, by no means would I consider myself an expert, but I have taken some time to get to know and, and really understand what is happening in our bodies as we transition through menopause. Before I get too far into this episode, now's a good time to go ahead and make the disclaimer that I am not a medical doctor, a functional medicine practitioner, um, or the like. I'm just a, a woman in her early 50s that is on the tail end. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm in the middle middle to tail end of going through this uh transition through and out of menopause. And so what I'm going to share with you uh, is really based on my own personal experience, things that have worked for me, um, and conversations that I've had with other women that are also going through or, or have sec- successfully navigated menopause. So as I said, three years ago, I just sort of lumped menopause into this one word and, and one concept I knew close to nothing about it other than I knew it was coming at some point in my 50s, or I assumed so. Uh, And it really wasn't until I I started educating myself about what was happening and sort of how the process of menopause, you know, what was the role that it played and how did it fit into my overall spectrum of adult life um, that I realized it really is three parts. So um, hopefully what I can do for you today is really break this down into something that is manageable and meaningful for you. And if you're a male and you're listening to this episode before you just turn it off and say, well, this doesn't relate to me. Or if you're maybe you're in your 20s, your 30s, or even your 40s, and you think I don't need to hear about this yet. What I would ask you to do is 
really think about the women in your life that would benefit from hearing this. And if there is someone, maybe it's a, a wife or a partner, or um, if you're younger, maybe it's maybe it's your mother or an aunt, um, that might be in this stage of life or this phase of life. And um, maybe what I'm going to share would be helpful to them. I would just ask that you please share this information. My whole intent with this podcast is I enjoy doing the work and I want to share that knowledge that I have have gleaned from others and tried to put into practice. I just want to share that with you. Let's start by talking about the phases of menopause, what you can expect and how those differ from from one another. So as I said, the entire process which includes premenopause, perimenopause, and then actual menopause can last for some people a, a decade. So, I mean, a decade. Who knew? I, I had no idea. And the problem is that there's no real definitive alarm or indication that you're moving from one stage to another or that the process has even started. So chances are you will begin going through premenopause and maybe even perimenopause with no real physical indication that you're actually going through it or that some of these changes are, are taking place inside your body. So um, again, this was an education to me, but it's fascinating. Um, and I think one of the best things that you can do about any stage of life or anything that you're going through is just to be educated uh, and, and try and embrace and understand what's happening instead of trying to, to fight it. So hopefully this will be um, interesting for you as well. Um, and again, I'm just sharing my experience because I didn't really know anything about what to expect from these different phases. And I did not hear people talking about it openly. Now, after the fact, you know, when I would engage people in conversation, I would hear um, that we there. Were, I had a lot of similarities with other women, but I just was not hearing a lot of organic conversations happening around the subject of menopause, and that's that's too bad. Let's see what we can do about changing that. Um, maybe people don't talk about it because ignorance is bliss, or it, I don't know. It just seems taboo. Um, you know, I know we don't talk openly about going through puberty, but really I do see a lot of similarities. I mean, I, I have a teen, uh, and I just, as a, a coach of endurance sports have been around a lot of, um, teens that have gone through puberty and there are a lot of parallels between the two. Both are major stressors on your body, both are opportunities for you to get to know your body on a, a new and, and different level. And um, there's opportunities to make adaptations to the way you're you're doing thing. I'm, uh, on the flip side, yes, it's confusing. It's it's irritating. It's hard to get a handle on it. Um, but I do kind of liken it to going through puberty all over again. Let's just go ahead and start with, I guess, phase one, which is really premenopause. And 
at that point, you likely have no symptoms. This could be happening in your mid to late 30s and 40s. You're still having regular periods. I mean, if you're somebody that has regular periods, I know a lot of you do not. Um, but if you do, you might still be having regular periods. Uh, but what's happening on the inside is that you are undergoing some hormonal changes, but likely you're not aware of them. And premenopause is really can happen that eight to 10 years before menopause actually sets in. So again, I'm kind of looking back on this thinking, wow, who knew? So I was, I could have been in premenopause. I mean, I guess I was in my early forties, but I wasn't really aware. Then we can move on to perimenopause. And, and during this time, it's likely that you're going to start noticing some changes to your body and to your mind. For me, I think this is when I became aware of it. And it literally aligned with turning 50. So that's when I started noticing that I was having irregular periods, uh, which as somebody that is physically active was pretty great, I have to say. Um, but I saw changes in my sleep habits, in my mood, uh, in my skin. There were, I won't really call them hot flashes. I'll call them warm flashes. Um, unexplained weight gain when I hadn't made any changes to my diet or my level of activity. Um, you might see acne. You might see hair thinning or hair falling out brain fog, um, forgetting things. These are all symptoms that are, um, I think, pretty familiar to people that are going through perimenopause. And these symptoms can last, I, I hate to say it, but uh, you know, I'm going to be truthful. They can last anywhere from six months to several years. So yay. Um, but I, I think it's important that you all understand what's happening so that you can Extend some grace to yourself and really just start to understand what's going on on the inside. So what's happening to your body? And what is happening is that your estrogen level, so you're, you're, when you're young, your, your body produces you know, estrogen and progesterone, and your estrogen levels are starting to drop. And um, they, the levels can be really irregular, which is what causes those irregular periods. Now, menopause, you are not really considered to be in menopause until you have been period-free, so you have not had a period for a year, but I do know women that have irregular periods or maybe they have had, like, if you've had an ablation, for instance, you may not have a regular period anyway. Um, and so this may be really hard, hard to tell if you have gone a year uh, without having a period. I also know women that when they've had their hormone levels tested, uh, indicates that they are truly in menopause, yet they'll, they'll spot even or, or have a full period even after 12 to 18 months. So, you know, again, um, my, my sister's gynecologist, I believe, told her the only thing that you can expect in all of this is the unexpected. And I, I think that that's great because I think what, what holds true for one person doesn't necessarily hold true for anyone else. 
Um, so what's happening on the inside, uh, your body is producing so little estrogen that you're no longer producing eggs. So at this point you would be considered, um, you know, not a, not a candidate for pregnancy. Um, you might still experience night sweats and hot flashes, anxiety, um, which, which I'll kind of, um, talk about in depth, anxiety, insomnia, mood swings. It is a party folks. I'm going to take you through my experience. Um, I wasn't aware that I was in premenopause. So I'll just sort of start with what I, I guess the perimenopause reference and then into menopause. But I, I would really encourage you if you are starting to experience some of these symptoms, maybe you're full on in these symptoms, um, maybe you're beyond it, but you have some light that you can share on uh, with others. I would just encourage you to talk about it and, and not feel like this is something that is gross or it's weird or you're just in denial. It, it's going to happen whether or not you're in denial or not. So you might as well learn as much as you can and see what kinds of systems you can put in place to sort of temper any of the, the ill effects. And I mean, there, there are some ill effects, but I would say, um, my experience, you know, compared to others, um, pretty normal, I would think, but all in all, it's been pretty negligible. I mean, it's, there are some irritating parts of it, I would, I would say, but at the same time, I'm trying to just acknowledge and respect the process and understand that I'm moving into this different phase of life. It's kind of exciting. I'm not going to have to have a period anymore, which to me, I mean, we've had periods since we were what, 13 years old, 14 years old. So that is thrilling. Um, but I'm going to take you through this experience and just talked about the things that I have done in the areas of diet, exercise, stress management, sleep, you know, things like that, that have been really helpful to me. And again, I would just encourage you all to talk about this and share the process with others as, as much as possible. I just think it's really beneficial for all of us to make sure that we're making, um, the word menopause, uh, uh, just a part of our, our, um, vocabulary. So we'll kick this off talking about diet and exercise because the number one complaint that I hear from my friends, other, other women that are in this stage of life is that they're experiencing unexpected weight gain. And that was true for me as, as well. And I would say over an 18 to 24 month period, I, I put on 15 to 20 pounds. Um, and you don't, you don't really notice it. You just notice that cause I, I wasn't somebody, I'm still not somebody that gets on the scale daily or even weekly. Um, it's just sort of periodically, but I did notice that, you know, gosh, my clothes aren't fitting as well. And your body is just starting to change. And so there's this sort of puffiness 
around your midsection. And um, that again, that's the most common complaint. So I want to start with diet and exercise and, and tell you how I handled handled that. Um, because I have had some success in both of those areas. Um, so diet, I have talked in a previous episode about my ability to, to under eat. So I'm not going to rehash all of that. You can go back and you can listen to, I think it was episode two, if you want to learn more about that. But I did mention in that episode that last fall, I joined a food program to kind of kickstart my nutrition again. And I did that partly because I had fallen back into those bad habits of under eating, but also because I had put on some additional weight and my eating habits had not changed. My level of, um, activity had not changed. And and in fact, and I'll talk more about this. I had, boy, I had ramped up my training because I was trying to, um, negate the, the weight gain and that, that did not help at all. So last fall after my sister had, um, successfully lost close to 50 pounds using the Optavia program. And some of you may have heard of that. I said, I'm going to give this a try because I can kill two birds with one stone. One, it's going to tell me exactly what I need to eat when I need to eat it. I don't have to think about it. I can't use being busy as an excuse. Um, and then maybe it's going to help with my, my menopause weight gain. So, Um, I started the program on November 17th of last year. And all of this is, I've documented, if you want to go back and you want to look at any, anything, I even took measurements so you can see how long it took and how the weight came off. Um, so I started at 138 pounds, what's typically my, my fighting weight, you know, like where do I fall? Typically I'm five, four and I usually stay on the lower side of 120. So like 120, 122, if I'm carrying a lot of muscle. So if I'm really doing a lot of work in the weight room, I might even get up to like 125. Um, But 138 was high for me. I had not been that weight since after giving birth to my son. Um, And and so it, it had really had been a while. Um, so I started the program on November 17th and by the end of February, I was down to that 120 to 122 mark again. So it came off really easily and I will do a program that talks about Optavia specifically because I do know a lot of people have approached me about the program and they want to hear specifics about it. And I will say that I, I loved it so much so that I went through, um, the qualifications to become an Optavia coach, because I do really believe in and stand behind this program, not only for managing menopause for which it's been tremendous for me, but also, um, for anyone just looking at it from a weight loss standpoint, managing type one or type two diabetes, um, 
thyroid dysfunction. Um, you know, there's been a lot of success with that. So anyhow, I will do an episode, uh, that talks about the program specifically, but it was very helpful to me while I was on program. I was not drinking any alcohol and all of my macronutrients and my vitamins and minerals. So my macro and my micronutrients were contained in my fuelings from Optavia and um, in any of the meals that I created. So my carbs, my proteins, my healthy fats, and then all those vitamins and nutrients were in my Optavia fuelings. And so I think those two things together being um, abstaining from alcohol and then making sure my food was nutrient dense, cleared my brain fog. So that was gone. Um, I had had, I mean, I would, you know, you walk into a room, you're like, why, why in the heck am I here? What, what am I doing? And you just have no recall. You're sitting there and you're trying to think of a word or a restaurant or somebody's name and it's just not happening. Um, so my brain fog really cleared up when I was fully on program again, because I think I was abstaining from alcohol entirely for months on end. And then also my nutrition was so high. Um, carbohydrate. I want to talk about that for a minute because, um, this is an adaptation I made to my nutrition. And I think it applies to men as well. I do train with guys that are in the, the 40 to 60 year old age range and age range. And they, they have the same challenge. They're, they're doing the same workouts, eating the same thing. And yet their bodies are changing. They're getting softer and fluffier, you know, dad, dad, Bob, dad, 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 bod. Um, we kind of jokingly refer to it. Right. But, um, so this applies to guys as well, but, as we age, we become more sensitive to carbohydrates. So I really moved away from refined carbs. And I do in general take in a lot fewer carbs. Now, I am not keto, I have done keto. I don't think keto is healthy. And I don't think it's sustainable. Um, if you are full on, let's just say keto is like 50 grams of carbs or less a day that I could not maintain that. That was too hardcore. Um, I would say that staying in a low state of ketosis, so somewhere around a hundred, maybe 80 to a hundred grams of carbohydrate a day is where I feel best. And that really worked for me. Um, and that is where op the Optavia program will, will keep you, but it is not keto. Um, and so where do I get my carbs? I try and look towards um, uh, root vegetables, fruits, ancient grains, things like that. But I don't eat a lot of refined carbs anymore. In addition, I have really amped up my intake of, of protein because as we age, we are, we're going to lose muscle unless we're really intentional about building muscle. Um, which is why I, I lift heavier now, but I'll, I'll talk about that. But I also try and take in 
protein at every meal or snack along with healthy fats. So lots of avocados um, and, and some nuts, you know, olive oil, coconut oil, things like that. And then um, lean protein. So it could be like eggs, grass fed beef, um, chickpeas, um, which are garbanzo beans, you know, so really trying to take in some proteins at every meal. Exercise. All right. This was the other thing that I really modified. And in fact, I mean, I kind of feel like I had to flip the script on, on my exercise completely because as somebody that came from endurance sports, our kind of bread and butter was these sort of long runs, long rides, long workouts, right? It's kind of like low intensity, but really long. Um, and so initially when I was trying to get hold of that, I'll just call it the menopause weight, I started extending my workout. So I, on the weekends I was doing eight and 10 mile, um, slow, but eight and 10 mile, uh, trail runs. And I really upped my mileage and, um, I was running because that would burn more calories than riding my bike. Um, and I wasn't, that, that was during COVID. So I wasn't in the weight room. I was staying out of the weight room and just doing, you know, kind of some light functional strength, but I was not lifting heavy. And what I, what I learned, um, I follow Stacy Sims. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram. She wrote the book roar. She has a section in that book on menopause. She's a great person to follow. She's an excellent resource. And she said that we should focus on more intensity. So more, you know, the high intensity interval training. Um, and, and so that's what I did. I started doing some speed work on the track. Um, and so I might run like 100s, 200s or 400 repeats, but I wasn't doing eight and 10 mile runs anymore. And I started doing those track workouts twice a week. That was huge. So not only did it, um, it it was fun and it was challenging because I hadn't done speed work in a long time. Um, but I really felt like it just kind of like, I, I, I could feel it in general. I felt like it really revved up my metabolism. Um, and I started lifting heavier. So I did get back into the weight room, just bought a couple kettlebells. If you don't want to join a gym, that is totally fine. You could even take gallon milk jugs and fill those up with water and just use those, um, and just do some functional strength. But I went from doing sort of lower weight, more repetitions to higher weight, kind of max efforts, lower repetitions. And I'll do three sets, four sets or five sets to fatigue. And, and again, I'm not writing out these specific workouts. I'm, that's not what I'm, I'm sharing. This stuff is out there. I don't need to be the authority on that, but I, I did really modify my weight training and I moved to, to heavier weights. Um, I still do functional strength because I feel that's very important just from the standpoint of movement long-term but several days a week, I'm also lifting heavy to try and 
rebuild muscle because I, I still want muscle definition. I still want strength moving forward. Stress is another thing that I, I feel like I really had to get a handle on and it's probably um, the biggest challenge I think that a lot of us face. Stress management would benefit anybody. So you don't have to be going through pre peri or, or menopause to want to get a better, better handle on stress. I think that this would um, be beneficial for anyone. Um, and I will probably do an episode on cortisol too, because there's just so much more to say about it. But when your body is under stress, even what we call good stress, okay, um, something good's happening, but it's really taxing your system. Your adrenal glands are going to release cortisol. And the effects of cortisol on your system, high, high, high release of this um, over time isn't really great or too much of it isn't really great. So what happens is you can experience weight gain, rise in blood pressure and heart rate. And then when you're constantly under stress, stress you can experience adrenal fatigue. And again, that is not something, it's just not a place that you want to be. So, um, I tend to look at stress in two different ways. I think about immediate stress. Um, so, you know, I'm driving and dang it, I'm hitting every single red light or something like that. Or, um, you know, there's an idiot driver that I'm behind or a big truck on some country road or something like that immediate stress that I can control through breath work and then chronic stress, I think is more of that everyday longer term kind of stress that is going to require you to do some of the heavy lifting and the hard work. So let's talk about the immediate stuff. Um, there is some breath work that I do, and this is, it's going to sound funny if I do it, but I'm going to explain it to you as best I can that whenever I feel my nervous system ramping up, so I, I can feel my heart, you know, something's irritating me or I'm in a hurry or whatever. If I do this a lot when I'm driving, um, I'm thinking about something and it's got me anxious. I'll do these two quick breaths in and then through my nose and then one longer breath out. So it's a... So it's two sniffs in through your nose and then one extended breath out. And if you can do that for about a minute, I promise you, you will feel a difference. You will feel a sense of, of relief and you'll feel a little bit of a calm coming over you. So whenever I start to feel anxious or stressed, and again, it's something that um, is it, just a, a situational thing, something immediate, then I will do that breath work. Um the, the chronic stuff, the longer term stuff is really going to just require you to make an investment in yourself and, and, uh, your, your own situation. And, and for me, what that looked like was honestly studying the Enneagram and helping me understand who I was and sort of what, what my methods were and, um, intentions and, and just reactions and, and all of that and really understanding myself so much better, just addressing my own bad habits head on 
Um, that was very helpful for me. And then also just, I think having a command of my life and making a conscious effort to tell the people that are important to me, how important they are to me. Um, just, I think being honest, being transparent, being intentional, um, being direct with people, not feeling bad if I don't want to invest a lot of energy in every single relationship that I have, but really just sort of focusing on the ones that are um, really meaningful to me and, um, you know, the ones where I feel like um, these people are leading me in a direction I want to go and just trying to surround myself with um, people that are inspiring me. So anyway, I think overall, all of that led to a reduction in my overall stress. And, and so that, that was huge. I mean, there's always work to do. I'm, I'm, that's going to be constant in my life. I'll, I'll still be trying to move forward and, and, and learn more about stress management. I think it's really important. Um, but doing that work with stress management also had a really positive impact on my sleep because sleep disruption is something that is pretty prominent as you're moving through the stage of of life. I hear it from almost everyone. And what that looked like for me is, um, and I have, I started taking melatonin sometime in my early forties where I could just, I would sleep for a couple hours and then I would wake up. And so melatonin helped me with that. And then it sort of reemerged as I started going through menopause and, I would have these four hour cycles. And so if I woke up in the middle of the night, um, then I would have a hard time getting back to sleep. And so I did notice that when, again, I was going through Optavia, I was not drinking any alcohol. So my nutrition was really just spot on. I was not drinking. um, And my sleep was excellent. So, um, my sleep is still pretty good. I think the more work I do with stress management and now that I have added exercise back in my sleep is pretty good, but, um, I would say that you really got to get a handle on your sleep because if you're not rested and recovered, uh, it makes everything else that you're doing throughout the course of the day, challenging. And it's just, it's not great for you physically either. You still need to shoot for that seven to eight hours of a sound sleep a night. Um, and then the last thing that I did, and I'll, I'll mention this is it's a really easy daily kind of, um, small investment that you can make in the process. A lot of people say no way, but I promise you get used to it. And that is, just a low level of cold thermogenesis. And so for me at the end of my shower, I will turn the hot water off and you could start, you could ease into this over many days or, you know, a week or whatever. I started off with 15 seconds of cold water and it was, it felt brutal at first. And then I worked up to two minutes. So you can just do mildly cold, 
for the first couple of days to get used to it. You will adapt, but I'm telling you what, what it's doing is it's cooling down your core temperature. So I do this in the morning. I don't typically do it right before I go to bed, but I think that if you have pretty extreme hot flashes, it would be helpful to do it and to lower your uh, core temperature before you go to bed. But, um, I noticed almost like a brain buzzing, you know, it's like my, my, someone flipped the switch in my brain and it felt so good in my head. Um, another thing that you could try just to cool down your core temperature that a friend recommended to me, and it was helpful is just having some really cold, maybe like four ounces of tart cherry juice, uh, before you go to bed and that'll help with your core temperature as well. So I hope that some of this has been helpful to you. Again, I'm going to go back to something that I had mentioned in a previous episode, which is you, you might be in your twenties or thirties or forties now. And I understand that there's no reason that you would necessarily need to think about menopause or this stage in your life, but I really do credit my relative ease um, of this process, this menopause process to a lifetime of health. So I would say even if you are in your 20s or 30s or 40s, um, it may not seem like this is something that you really need to tend to now, but I think anything that you can do, any small investment that you can make in your health at this point, it's going to benefit you, if not immediately, um, you know, 10, 20, 30 years in the future. So, um, again, I hope this has been helpful. If you are in the pre peri or the menopause stage of life, or even if you have successfully navigated it, Um, if you're not, I really would appreciate it if you would share this episode with anybody that you think could benefit from it. That's, um, you know, having a a network of people where we're all sharing this information and, and supporting each other, I think is, uh, the, the best that we can hope for. So, um, thanks so much for tuning in today. Um, I, know that this topic isn't necessarily top of mind for a lot of you. Um, but it is really important to me. And I I do think that it's important to, um, a lot of women that are out there probably listening to this show. So again, spread the word, um, let's help each other out and, um, extend a little bit of grace to yourself as you're moving through all this. It's, it's not easy and it, it really can be frustrating. So Keep your head up, stay educated, and forge on. All right, we'll talk to you next week. I hope you all have a great transition back to school. Um, Everybody hang in there.